0: So we've landed in the book of Zechariah. And I want to remind everybody that last year, 2020, we already began studying the book of Zechariah. So there is a Zechariah overview, which is chapter one to chapter eight last year. And this year we're doing chapter nine to chapter 14. So the links will come up below. Uh, 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 for the overview of chapter one to chapter eight, which is uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Chu, he preached uh, one overview and I also preached another overview for that weekend last year. So the links do click on it and do watch it last year. Um, there will be another link that will come up for all the sermons in Zechariah. So if you, you're hardworking and you, hey, you're interested and you're inspired to, to relook the book of Zechariah uh, during your own time, you can click on the link uh, that list. all all our Sermons of Zechariah, and feel free to go back and study it. Because now that you're looking for chapter nine to 14, when you look back retrospectively to chapter one to eight, you begin to realize, oh, that means this, that means this, that means this. So you, could, you, you begin to j- draw the dots. So that's where the link will end up. But enough of uh, 2020, let's go into 2021. So in service one and two, I did an overview of chapter nine to 11. It's very, uh, it's very interesting, but well, I'm saying that because I'm interested. So I think it's very interesting, right? But for this service, I'm going to do uh, chapter 12 to chapter 14. Why the division? Um, because nine to 11, talks about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And then 12 to 14 speaks on the second coming of Jesus Christ. So this sermon will be, we, we don't know yet whether the prophecy, how the prophecies will be fulfilled, when will it be fulfilled? But I will, I will bring us through some of the prophecies written in Zechariah about the second coming. And I think it's very interesting. But before I, I, I land there, let me just revisit uh, who Zechariah is when and how and why was the book ever written? Right. So uh, I mentioned a lot of it in, in in part one of my sermon, but part two I want to bring a different aspect to it. You see, in Zechariah prophesied twice in his lifetime in the year 520 BC he prophesied on the first eight chapters of the book so he was a young boy back then and it was it speculated they did the dates and they calculated things Um, it's all in the book of Haggai all the specific dates of of all the prophets back then Um, they 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 seem to guess his age to be around mid-20s it could be young 20. So he could be 21 when God gave him a vision, right? He could be, and as the Bible said, right? Uh, um, um, young men sees visions and old men uh, dream dreams. So Zechariah had a vision, but he, he envisioned a lot of, uh, of imagery, right? There's imagery of baskets, women's red carpets, horses, right? Uh, that's chapter one to chapter eight. And now when it comes to the second part of Zechariah, chapter nine to 14, he, God never gave the young Zechariah, the visions of the first and second coming of Christ. See, Zechariah, after he saw the vision, he had rebuilt the temple. The temple was already rebuilt in the year uh, 515. Then there was a long break in between where Zechariah, who is a prophet and a priest, a prophet because he saw visions, a priest because he was a line or he came from the line of priests. And interestingly enough, he is actually the head priest of his family, and he was only 21. So that's very encouraging to all uh, us young people out there that, hey, you know, God also uh, uh, picks the young as well as He picks the old. So it's not about young or old, it is about whether God choose you or not, right? So you're appointed and anointed for your own calling in your life, regardless of your age. That's the encouraging thing. So there is a break between the young Zechariah and the first eight chapters. Then as he grew older, and I suspect that he must have been way, way older because it's it's only, I think, in around, calculatively, around in the year 480 BC, maybe 70, uh, 60, 70, 80 years later. And I think Zechariah was a much older man, and God gave him two sets of visions, or it could be dreams, or it could be oracles, it could be burdens, but basically two different versions, one version of the first coming, and one version of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he wrote it all down. That's why people say that the way the first eight chapter was written is so different from the way the second, chapter was, the second part was written, which is chapter nine to 14. But I believe it's because a young Zechariah wrote chapter eight, one to eight and an older Zechariah wrote chapter nine to 14. Do you know why that's interesting? And do you know why I brought it up? I, didn't, I don't bring things up for no reason. The reason I brought it up is because I also want to encourage not just the young now, but also the old the older generation. Now, I, 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 I love Zechariah because God uses not just the young, God also uses the older generation. So if you are, you belong in the older generation, put your own age to it, all right? Um, don't be discouraged. Don't feel like your best years are over. Don't feel like your best life is over and you're just waiting to see the Lord again. That's not true because God can still use you in your old age to achieve His purpose so i repeat myself again when you are appointed and anointed for your purpose has nothing to do with age it's not about young it's not about old it is about your calling and your purpose so god can use the young and god can use the old and it's it's brilliant because in sibkl we are a generational church right we are a church of the young and we're also the church of the old so i hope this encourages everybody in S-I-V-K-L. So young or old, you still have a purpose. Can you say it with me? I'm young, I'm old, it doesn't matter, I have a purpose. Amen? Amen. Okay, Um, um, as I go into the the, the book of uh, Zechariah, I want to also uh, let us see the uniqueness and the brilliance of this book. So every time I I, I read it, I I get new things and new downloads from God. See, the first eight chapters is about the past, what has happened in the past? Then in the next three chapters, chapter nine to 11 is about the present. We're living in the first coming, right? We're living in the year, in the, in the millennia, so to speak, the age of the first coming. Then chapter 12 to chapter 14 is about the future. So in the one book, we've got past, we've got present, we've got future. Or oh, in another way to look at it is in the past, which is chapter eight one to eight, God told Zechariah to build a physical temple. God says, Go back to Jerusalem, go back to the temple of Jerusalem and build me a physical temple, a temple where God's presence will rest in the holy of holies, a physical temple. Then in the next three chapters, the present, which is chapter nine to 11, God says, wait a minute. Okay, the physical temple is good, but it's not that good. I am now going to build a spiritual temple. So he demolishes the physical temple and now he builds a spiritual temple. And then God says, okay, it's good, it's good, but it's not the final product. Because in chapter 12 to chapter 14, which is the future, God builds a complete temple. A temple that is physical, a temple that is also spiritual. The second coming of Christ where He rules the millennia. He rules spiritually, He also rules physically. And all knee will bow, and all all knee will bow, and all tongue will confess that He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't it brilliant, this book of Zechariah? It's almost like Isaiah as well, right? So it's Zechariah almost, almost like if one book itself represents the entire Bible. That's why I love it so much. Um, there's so much uh, in the book of Zechariah. But I, I, I want now to really in a short time recap uh, the broad overview of Zechariah. A, a chart will come up that says, uh, uh, there is a structure, a very nice structure to this whole book. Um, It starts off by God saying, return to the land, return to me and I will return to you. And then God says, when you return to me, rebuild, rebuild the physical temple of Jerusalem and rejoice in the rebuilding of that physical temple. then chapter seven and eight, God says, when you rebuild the temple, I want you to revere me, revere me in that temple, fear the Lord your God in that temple. Then in the first coming of Jesus Christ, God says, I'm going to rebuild you're gonna rejoice because I'm going to rebuild the physical temple and change it into a spiritual temple. Then in the last three verses, God says, I'm going to return, the return of the king, the second coming. I will now build a physical and a spiritual temple together. I wanna, uh, uh, um, in part one, I didn't mention this verse, but this verse is, is a recollection of, of, it's just one verse in the first part in the first eight chapters of Zechariah. And this verse is, is, is brilliant. I love this verse. It's found in chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. Um, it's this: run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls, because of a great, because of the great number of men and livestock in it. Jerusalem will be a city without walls. Verse 5, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Hallelujah, God will be the glory that lives within us. You see, in the, in, back in the Old Testament, God was referring to the physical temple. God was saying that a physical temple, God will be the glory within that physical temple. God will be a firewall that protects the physical temple. But hallelujah, because of the first coming of Jesus Christ, we both know, we all know that it's now a spiritual temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now God says, go, you are a city without walls. Do you know that you are a city without walls because I'm a temple, you're a temple, everybody's a temple, we, are, we, we constitute a city. We have no boundaries anymore. This whole world that God lives in every single person, I want you to imagine everybody hosts that presence of God. And God says, I will be a wall of fire that surrounds the city. Wall of fire denotes protection. God will protect you, but it also denotes the Holy Spirit. God will give you that Holy Spirit within you and that Holy Spirit will inspire you. The presence of God will lead you. The presence of God will comfort you and will guard you. Isn't that exciting, right? God will be that wall of fire and God says, I will be the glory within. I will be your glory. You know, for all of us here, if you're discouraged in 2021, if you feel like it's hopeless, if you feel like there is no more hope for the future, I want you to, Before I even go into my sermon, with this verse itself, I want to say to you, there is hope. There is hope because God says He will be your glory within. And if God is for you, who are you to be against you? Who are we to be against you? God is for you. He will be your firewall. You will be a city without walls and God will be your glory within. And I hope that sums up chapter 1 to chapter 8 brilliantly by God saying that I will be with you from now until forever. So I want to move now to the second part of Zechariah Overview, which is chapter 12 to 14. So in my first and second service, I entitled it The First Coming and the Rejection of the King. Right? So he ended on a low. There was a rejection of the king. So even though Jesus came in the flesh, even though the king came to save us, even though the king came to build a spiritual temple, the people of God still rejected this king. And now I want to move on to chapter 12 to chapter 14. And I entitled my sermon today, The Second Coming and the Reception of the King. The Second Coming and His Reception. He's going to be received as a king not just by a group of remnants, but by everybody. Every tongue will confess He is King. Every knee will bow, He is King. Whether you believe in Him or not, the moment you see that King comes, you will say, He is indeed the Messiah. He is indeed the King of all kings. You know, very interestingly, why is the second part of, 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 of Zechariah overview, which is chapter... 12 to chapter 14 about the second coming and and in in the first part, it is about the first coming because I already explained in my first uh, sermon that there's a lot of prophecies regarding the first coming of the Messiah and we already could see it happening in the living embodiment of Jesus Christ himself. Now in the second part, there is a phrase that is repeated 20 times. So it depends on how you count it, right? Some count 17, some count 20, some count 22, but for me, I counted 20, right? Um, The phrase is this, on that day, Yom Yahweh, on that day, the day of the Lord. It says again and again, chapter 12, chapter 13, and a lot in chapter 14. On that day of the Lord refers to what? The day that the Lord comes again, the second coming. So when when we go through, when you go through and you read this book, you will be able to see that, hey, a lot of these prophecies have yet to come to pass. And I will go through some of the prophecies and one of it is very interesting. But I would, I would say uh, one right now, it is this prophecy. If, if you know, on the end, in the end times, we always fear, right? Oh know, there's gonna be famine, there's gonna be murder, there's gonna be killing, there's gonna be destruction, there's gonna be a lot of bad things that will happen to us. But this verse is actually very encouraging. It is, this prophecy is encouraging. Chapter 12, uh, verses uh, seven and eight. Let me find it, verses seven. The Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first so that the honor of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. It's it's a complicated prophecy, but let me me make it a little simple. It says here, the Lord would save the dwellings of Judah first so that the honor of the house of David will be preserved. Who is the house of David? In the Old Testament, the house of David is, is David's exact lineage and the lineage ends with Jesus Christ. But from Jesus Christ onwards, Gentile and Jews belongs to that lineage because of what Jesus Christ has done on that cross. So in technically speaking, we belong spiritually to the spiritual lineage of the house of David. And I want to encourage you. The prophecy says, God will save you. God will rescue you. Don't see end times only through the lens of fear, that I fear the famine coming. I fear the sword coming. I fear the war horse coming against me. Don't just view end times in the lens of fear, but view the end times in this lens. And God says, I will save you. I will rescue you. I will be with you. Now to me, that's very encouraging. And, and I, t- I, I take this verse and I always say, God, I know the end times can be frightening. But, but I take heart in this verse that you will save me. Interesting. Okay. Now I'm going to go through uh, prophecies later on, and I will explain to you some of the prophecies that may come to pass or have they come to pass? Stay tuned to this sermon, right? We have another 20 minutes. So I want to move on now to my sermon, the second coming and the reception. Three points, three main points. Point number one, the retribution, chapter 12. Point number two, the restoration, chapter 13. And point number three, the reception, chapter 14. So if you watch part one and now you're watching part two, you combine all six points together. You get a beautiful overview of all six chapters of the book of Zechariah. I want to go into my first point. The king will come again. The king, make no mistake, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you give your life to Jesus or not, whether you believe in the Bible or not, it doesn't change the fact that the king will come again and that is my belief and i hope that is all our beliefs that the king will come to judge this world the king will come to restore this world to its rightful order all the way back found in genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 but it starts now with retribution when it when the king comes he comes as i explained in part 1 he comes not just to restore But restoration and judgment always come hand in hand because he is a judge God. The wicked and evil will not get away scot-free. They will not get away with all the wicked and evil that they do. They will be a retribution from God. And God says, I will come to judge you for all the wicked and evil things. So I want us all to take heart. Don't look at evil men. Don't look at wicked men who are prospering in the world today and say, hey, I want to be like him. I want to be like her because they're doing so well. They don't know Jesus. They hate Jesus, Jesus in fact. I want us all to take heart. Take two positions when you, when you, when you if you are, you belong in this category. Position number one, don't, don't want to be like them, all right? But instead, position number two, pray for them because God also wants them to be saved. Don't envy them. But know that there will be judgment for them one day. Therefore, pray for them. Pray for them that they will see God. Pray for them they will receive God and they will turn from their wicked ways. All right, so that's our position when we see evil and wicked prospering in the world today. But I wanna come back to point number one, which is retribution. So like I said, there will be judgment on the land, but I don't wanna talk about judgment and end times and how scary it can be. I wanted to bring us some hope today because hope can be found in the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter 12, verses five. It says, then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. Let me pause here. The people would say they are, uh, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. I wanna, I hope we will take encouragement from this verse by saying that even though some of us believe COVID-19 is judgment from God, some of us believe it isn't. In my opinion, it doesn't matter whether you believe that COVID-19 is judgment or not judgment. The fact it is, it is happening. But it only matters if people look at us, people look at our lives and say, when we're going through the pandemic, are we strong or are we weak? How strong is our God or how weak is our God? Now that is more important whether it's judgment or not, right? And I want us, I want people of this land. I want the people of the world to be able to look at SIBKL, to be able to look at you and me and say, wow, the people, of SIBKL. The people, the church of God, Christians, if you do not belong to SIBKL, are strong. We are strong. Why? Because the Lord Almighty is their God. That is the point of COVID-19. That is the point of the pandemic. That is why it was that is the point of us being tested and stuck at home so much, so that people can see us and say, Wow, I want what he has. I want what she has because they look strong they are strong why because god must be with them isn't that encouraging in the end times isn't that encouraging and then it continues to say uh, chapter 12 verses 10 and i will pour out on the house of david and the inhabitants of jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication amen amen I, that is like almost my prayer That's, that is my prayer for all of us today that God will pour out on the house of David. As I already mentioned, who who belongs to the house of David? We do. It is a spiritual house of David that the lineage of Jesus Christ, when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, we spiritually belong to the house of David. David, and I pray that God will pour out on your life a spirit of grace and a spirit of supplication during times of testing, during times of hardships, during times of trouble, amen? Amen. Uh, so that's retribution. When God judges, I want you to take courage that we, the people of God, take refuge in the grace of God as well. Do You know, in, in judgment, uh, uh, the, the phrase, the day of the Lord, Um, This is found in verse 14, uh, chapter 14. I want to read it to you. So I'll skip ahead to chapter 14 and then I'll come back to chapter 13, right? Uh, It says chapter 14, verse 6. That's another prophecy that I want to bring to light. It says, On that day, there will be no light, no cold or frost. It will be a unique day without daytime or nighttime, a day known to the Lord. When evening comes, there will be light. It's a very unique day. This that day has not arrived. So if you ever encounter a day where there is no night or day, you will know for a fact that the day of the Lord is here. I want to point a few points on why Zechariah calls the day of the Lord and describes it in such manner. Number one, what differentiates day and night? What's the answer? You can type it in a chat. What differentiates day and night? It is the sunrise, S-U-N-R-I-S-E. It is the sunrise. If the sun doesn't rise, then there is no day, right? The sun will have to rise and then the sun sets and it becomes night. But Zechariah, could it be he's playing on words that the day of the Lord is not the sun, S-U-N, but the sun rise, S-O-N-R-I-S-E, right? So he says, hey, there is no day and night because the sun, S-O-N, is here. And who is the sun? He is the light of the world. So when the sun comes and he is the light of the world, darkness will have to flee. Darkness is what? Darkness is captivity, darkness is slavery, darkness is idolatry. So when the light of the world comes and He brings the truth, He brings light, all darkness will have to flee. So I want to encourage you, again, when we read this and we say, oh, it's scary. What does no day, no night means, right? It's not, it just means that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the sun, has come to save you. And I look forward to that day. I really look forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes to save me, right? Uh, uh, So so that's retribution, point number one for you. Uh, So the whole chapter 12 talks about judgment of God, but it also interlaced with with God saving His people, which is, let's move on to the, the point number two, which is restoration. So again, He judges, but God also restores. He doesn't just judge for judge's sake. He will rebuild and restore your life. That's point number two. That's chapter 13. And I want to draw from a particular verse in chapter 13, uh, uh, 13 verse 9. It says here, this third, what is this third? I'll explain quite soon. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God, this is called purification. The restoration of the temple of God, the restoration of the spiritual temple is the purification of our hearts. And God says, he will test you and he will refine you, pure as gold, pure as silver. What is this third? I wanna point us to another prophecy found in in the last portion of Zechariah. The prophecy is actually found in the verse before, which is 13 verses eight. It says, in the whole land, land of Israel, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. Are the two-thirds non-believers? Are the two-thirds believers? That's an interesting question. Does it matter? No, it only matters that one-third will survive. Remember when I said the prophecy says God will rescue you, God will save you? I believe we belong to this one-third. That's my belief and my interpretation of this prophecy, right? That we belong to this one-third. But God says in this one-third, I will purify them. Because I need to test them, test their hearts to know that they are refined, they are restored, purified for the second coming of Jesus Christ, where it is no longer a physical temple, not just a spiritual temple, but both a complete temple, the physical and the spiritual temple together as one. And in order to host this complete temple, we've got to be purified. And on that day, people will say, you are really our Saviour, Lord God Almighty. You are Lord God. That's point number two, restoration, which leads me to my last point, the third point, which is the reception of the King. Chapter 14, where people receive this King. So once, the, once, once God has um, judged or uh, 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 pronounced retribution against uh, uh, wicked and evil, then God will restore and, and, and purify the temple and restore the complete temple, then God and the people of God will receive this king and crown this king as king of kings, holy of holy. Now it is chapter 14 and chapter 14 is, I would say, a very, one, uh, uh, the third most interesting chapter. After chapter six, the first most interesting, then chapter nine, And then chapter 14, because chapter 14 contains so many prophecies of the end time. But in in the receiving of the King, there will always be the destruction of evil first. I want to read several prophecies to you, and I want to excite you to stay tuned to the Zechariah series, and of course, read the book of Zechariah. One of the prophecies can be found in in, in verse two. Verse two says, I will gather all nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, and the women abused. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the city will not be taken from the city. This is a prophecy that all nations will come up against Israel. Whether, and that's why sometimes I, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, all the time, all the time. I do always monitor Israel news because I want to see whether there's peace or whether there's war. So I, know I invite you to, to monitor the news of Israel together with me, right? That's why I'm so interested in the land of Israel, right, the promised land. Why? Because the moment I see that all nations gather against the nation of Israel, I know the end is very, very near. And we know now how many nations are for Israel. How many? It's a growing list of nations that are against Israel. And God says, I will gather all nations against Israel. Right? So that's frightening. That's in the days to come. But like I said, don't see the end times in the lens of fear, but see the end times in the lens of Jesus Christ and restoration. So that's one of the prophecy. I want to read another one. Uh, 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 And to me, this is is more interesting to, to me. All right, verses three and four. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations. Like I said, don't view it in the lens of fear that hell, oh, oh, people are going to come against me, the house of David. Remember, I'm the spiritual inheritance of Jesus Christ. People are going to fight against me. Read verse four. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations. Who is my savior? Who is my king? My king will come for me. When I see people against me, when I see nations against my, our truths, when people come up against Christianity, take hope. Take hope, my dear friends, because your king will come and save you you right amen as he fights in the day of battle in the day of battle is another word the battle of armageddon all right so that's in the book of revelations i don't want to go so much into that today but i want to talk about verse four on that day his feet will stand on the mount of olives pay close attention his feet will stand on the mount of olives east of jerusalem and the mount of olives will be split in two from east to west forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half of the mountain moving south now there's a lot uh, uh, to read into this prophecy here, but I want, to, I want to just bring science into this a little bit, okay? Now science and faith go hand in hand, that's my belief. So I want to bring science into this. Geologists have found a fault line in the Mount of Olives. So you, if you study geology and you study archeology, span it would always c- corroborate with the Bible. But interestingly enough, when they study the earthquake, they look at the fault line that runs through Israel. Now all, all earthquake happens because of a tectonic shift in the plates, right? So there is a, the tectonic shift has a fault line. When the fault line breaks it, 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 on the surface, it's called an earthquake, but underneath it's called a fault line tectonic shift. Okay, um, There is a Syria-Mozambique or Syrian-African fault line that runs through Israel. Now, the moment I say Syria, Mozambique, if you you, you know geography, you know that Syria is to the north of Israel. You know that Mozambique in in Africa is to the south of Israel. So the fault line runs from north to south of the Mount of Olives, which means that if there is an earthquake and in the past it has been proven that when there is an earthquake, the land would split left to right this way. But the prophecy says, read the prophecy, the land, the earthquake would split east to west, which means that the earthquake is not vertical. The earthquake is horizontal. What does it show? It shows that any man, natural earthquake is not the day of the Lord. And that's important to notice. So, so watch is, read Israel news together with me, keep updated, you can text me, we can talk about uh, all the latest updates in Israel, right? But when we see the next earthquake, whenever that happens in the land of Israel, we, the first question to ask is, which earthquake? Is it a natural earthquake? Is it a natural earthquake? If it is, then it's not the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord, when happens, when the battle of Armageddon, when God comes and when he comes with these armies, he will split the land uh, horizontally east to west and the land will move north and the land will move south. And that is when everybody will know this is not a natural occurring earthquake. This is the earthquake that happens because the king is coming to divide good and evil. That's the symbolic meaning of the earthquake. Interesting enough, the prophecy? I thought that is very interesting. So stay tuned with me. i read you one more prophecy before I want to close this sermon. The prophecy is on verse 20. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells and on the pots of Israel. There's one last prophecy in the book of Zechariah that on the day of the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty will be inscribed on every house on every heart of the people. Therefore, Ushering in the age of the complete temple of God. I cannot wait to that day. Why? Because I cannot wait for my King to come and save me. But then you ask. So now you ask, what does all this got to do with now? What does all this got to do with now? The answer is this. We've got to prepare ourselves to receive the King. Are you ready to receive the King? Are you ready to receive the King? Are you preparing yourself to receive this King? Because on that day, it is too late to prepare. It is too late to get ready. On that day, the King would come to separate good and separate evil. But now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to get ready. And I'm pleading, I'm ushering, I'm pleading, and I'm encouraging all of you and all of us to prepare now. But you ask me, how do we prepare, Pastor? How do we get ready? Let's look at the overview of Zechariah once again. We prepare by returning to God. We return to Him. What does it mean to return to God? It means we repent of all our wicked ways. We repent. Returning to God is repentance. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've made it. I want to come back to the heart of worship. We repent. Then we rebuild the temple. We rebuild this temple of the Holy Spirit. We read the word of God. We, we, we pray in the spirit of tongues. We, 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 we come to church and we fellowship in the community of believers, preparing and rebuilding the temple of God. And lastly, we revere. We must revere God, which means that we don't, this is not a once in a lifetime event and we forget about it. It is an ongoing, day by day, sanctification or purification of process of God. To says, God, I revere you today. I worship you today. I fear you today. God, Lord God, I enthrone you today. It is a day step by step thing. Prepare yourself now so that on that day, you and I together, we will smile and receive the King of Kings. I have one last closing point. I want us all to remember this. If everything I say in the book of Zechariah, you forgot. Remember the name, Zechariah. What does the name mean? The name means Yah remembers. God remembers. So if you're going through hard times, now, our faith is normally tested in two ways. Testings, hardships, or waiting on the promises of God because some of us, we give up waiting and we fall away from our faith. Some of us, we cannot go through hard times and we fall away from our faith. But I want to remind all of us that Zechariah says, Yah remembers. He remembers you. And I want to draw the the memory in two places. Let us remember God. In our times of testing, and I know in COVID, it is a time of testing for all of us, all of us, no exception. It is a time of testing. Let us remember God that he was faithful, to, to, to fulfill all the prophecies of the first coming. He was faithful to rebuild the physical temple and the, phys- and the spiritual temple. He will be faithful to you. So don't forget God, remember Him. And some of us are waiting on the fulfillment of some of His promises. We're waiting for healing in our lives. We're waiting for, for a financial breakthrough. We're waiting for a family breakthrough. We're waiting for a health breakthrough. I wanna encourage you by saying, remember that God was faithful to Israelites, bringing them out of Israel. Egypt. Remember that God was faithful to Israelites planting them in the promised land. Remember that God was faithful to Israelites bringing them back from captivity, Babylonian captivity into the land of Jerusalem. God was faithful to you and to me by bringing Jesus Christ to die for our sins and God will be faithful to you. God will be faithful to you. Remember his faithfulness and he will give you a financial breakthrough, a health breakthrough and a family breakthrough in your life. Will you remember him? But take heart, because God also remember you. And I want us all to pray this closing prayer with me. That God, we say, God, in your judgment, remember mercy. God, in your testing, remember favor. God, in the waiting, the fulfillment of all your promises and blessings in my life, remember grace. Grace. God, grant me mercy. Grant me grace. Grant me Favor, So church, will you return, will you rebuild and will you revere the Lord our God because He remembers you and it is my prayer that you remember Him. I want to close now with just, I want to invite us all to pray with me and then we will move to a time of worship. And during this time, if you need prayer, our leaders and our pastors will also pray for you in our online prayer room. Will you log on now to our Zoom prayer room and we will pray for you if you need prayer, but if not, Pray this prayer with me, a short one. O Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, in Your judgment, Father God, remember mercy for me. In Your testings of my faith, Father God, remember favour for me. And in the waiting, Father God, of the fulfilment of Your promises for me, remember grace upon grace upon grace. We thank You, Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lord God, Zechariah is a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. But Father Lord Jesus, if there's only one thing we take home from this whole entire book, it is the fact that God, you remember me. You remember me where I am right now. You remember me alone in my room. You remember me when I'm amongst friends. You remember me when I go to work. You're remembering me. So Father God, because you have not rejected me, Father God, I remember you. I want to remember you in my life. I want to remember you in every aspect of my life. So I thank you, Jesus, that you remember who I am. So separate us now, Father God, with your favour, your mercy, and your grace. May your face shine upon us. May you watch our going in and our going out and grant us shallow thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen